find the rest you're looking for next on Abounding Grace. Alcohol companies promise it. Drugs claim to give it. Commercials are constantly trying to show us and point us in the direction of where we can find rest, but nothing in this world ever delivers true, peaceful rest. Nothing. It might desensitize you from the feelings for a few moments. It might distract you from thinking about the realities. But only Jesus promises true rest. This is amazing grace. Spiritual rest, it's what we desperately need and it's what God alone can supply. So many are trying to find it in man-made substitutes, but they're coming up short. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll notice that the Lord wants us to be at rest with Him and He's provided a finished salvation to make that possible. The plan is to cover Hebrews 4 today and tomorrow with Pastor Ed Taylor. So join us there, won't you? And we'll get started. Would you take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 4 as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Hebrews. If you're new to Calvary, you know, we study through the Bible, uh, and we study, our goal is to study the entire Bible, uh, and we're going to do it verse-by-verse, word-by-word, really, verse-by-verse, and chapters at a time, all the way through, and now we're in the book of Hebrews. We're in our 17th study now in the book of Hebrews, when we started there at chapter 1, verse 1, and now today we begin a new chapter in chapter 4, Notice with me in chapter 3, verse 19. It says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now, the book of Hebrews written to a group of Jewish believers. All of the believers really in the first century in Jerusalem were Jewish The gospel was given to us by Jesus Christ, who was Jewish, using the Old Testament scriptures. And so their background, their cultural and religious background, is in Judaism. The formalism of what we call today the Old Covenant, uh, that's contained in the Old Testament. And they had the Old Covenant and the Old Testament is all teaching and pointing toward Jesus Christ. And this is a group of people who embrace Jesus as the promised Messiah. But remember, they're struggling. They're struggling with the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ, and they miss what they left behind. And it was a great cost for them to follow Jesus Christ because they would lose their family. They'd lose their possessions. They would lose their sense of formality. And now they would be living not, for, not in a formal religious way, but now they're living in the fullness of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this letter is written to warn them not to go back don't go back. Or you could just say, you could say that the banner over the book of Hebrews is, don't leave Jesus. You have all that you've ever wanted in him. Now going backward and walking in circles, backsliding, doing your own thing, going your own way, living a life of disobedience, 
wandering around and choosing to harden your heart, as we learned last week, they all lead to restlessness. They do the exact opposite of what people think it'll do. They think that by doing your own thing and making your own decisions and wandering around that you're going to have a true rest and peace. But we're learning that all of these things lead to restlessness and discouragement and frustration. Remember, the promise of Jesus Christ to you today, as well as to them then, is rest. The promise is rest. And with all the activity and action surrounding our lives and our culture, the one thing that seems to be so elusive for people is rest even among followers of Jesus. Some of you have found it very elusive to find true rest, to relax, and to have a calm, restful relationship with Jesus Christ in a world filled with turmoil. And I have to say, a lot of lives have been ruined, utterly ruined, as they've sought after sources of rest. Lives have been destroyed by looking for this rest. Alcohol companies promise it. Drugs claim to give it. Commercials are constantly trying to show us and point us in the direction of where we can find rest, but nothing in this world ever delivers true, peaceful rest. Nothing. It might desensitize you from the feelings for a few moments. It might distract you from thinking about the realities, but only Jesus promises true rest. You can jot it down in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus himself invites the restless to him. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John's gospel, I think it was in chapter 14, Jesus says, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. There's a peace and a rest that's only found in Jesus Christ. The hearers of this letter have found true peace, but now they're again restless because of their choices. Remember, we've learned that a hardened heart is the result of a choice. He says in chapter 3, we're told, don't harden your hearts. We're told not to harden our hearts. It's a choice that we make. And the way to the pathway to the heart of a man or a woman is actually through the mind, what we think on. And so heart and hearts were tied together with unbelief. Unbelief, a lack of faith, is another way of looking at it in the Bible. Be careful that you don't respond to God in unbelief, and as a result, harden your heart. And the way that you believe is going to dictate the way you behave. There's just no other way around it. The way that you believe and what you believe moves your life in action. And the way to your heart is to your mind. What will you believe? Will you believe the truth or will you believe a lie? Will you believe the truth or will you believe a lie? Because the greatest error that has ever been made on the earth today was made by both Adam and Eve in them believing a lie. Because when you believe a lie, you act on the lie. And it's just constantly so many things being thrown at us that contradict God's word, which is the source of truth. And when we start believing lies, we make horrible, horrible decisions. And so we learn that there's a rest and a comfort 
and a fulfillment in your relationship with Jesus. Again, notice verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. If you'd like to write in your Bible, circle the word rest and write next to it calm or calmness. Or even this word can also reflect being refreshed, a refreshment. That's the promise of God. And it's so lacking in the world today as we run in circles looking for things that are already ours. Imagine that as believers in Jesus Christ, we're looking for things that are already ours. Rest and peace is already ours. How? By faith. I believe you, God, that you say you will give me rest in this storm. I believe you, God, that when you say you promised an inner peace in the turmoil of my life, I believe you moment by moment. But we learn as this promise remains, verse 2, indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore my wrath they shall now enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The book of Hebrews is using the truths of the Old Testament followers of God. We often refer to them as Israel, children of Israel, Judah. That's a reference to a people of God that had a relationship with God. Today we would refer to the people of God as the church, followers of Christ. And he's using an Old Testament example that we briefly looked at last time, and we'll look at again in another study, of that nation of Israel, that group of people that were in slavery in the, in the country of Egypt under Pharaoh, that were crying out for a deliverer, to which God answered that prayer by sending them who? What was his name? Moses. Moses went as the deliverer. He got up in Pharaoh's grill and said, let my people go. Let my people go. And Pharaoh's response was to be hardened. And he was battling with Moses and battling with God. So finally he just said, go, get out of here after all of those plagues. This is all found in the book of Exodus. And as they leave, they are heading into what is known as the promised land. A land that God would give to them. A land that would be theirs by promise. It was theirs already. All they needed to do was take it. And it was at the edge at Kadesh Barnea that Moses sent in 12 of the leaders to go spy out the land. They did and came back with a bad report, 10 of them, which demoralized the people and they responded, as it says here, in unbelief. They heard the promise of God, but didn't experience it because they didn't mix it. Notice it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. Listen, church, if you don't mix what you hear in Bible study all the time, what you're hearing right now, what you hear on the radio, what you hear in podcasting, if you do not mix what you hear with faith, the word of God will not profit you. It won't profit. You won't get anything out of it. It'll just be a guy talking. And you go, well, you know, Ed, I get knowledge. But you see, knowledge puffs up. The intent of the Bible is not to convey knowledge so you're smart. The intent of the Bible is to convey knowledge so that your love for God will grow and you will be an agent of love on the earth today. The mandate of Jesus Christ was not to go make a bunch of smart people. The mandate of Jesus was go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, followers of Jesus. And the intent of the Bible is to move you. You should be moved. And how is it that you're moved? Not by the persuasive words of a man, me, or any other preacher. You are moved when you mix what you hear with faith. And that's profitable. That's why 
we'll hear this testimony quite often in our congregation where someone will visit and after about six or nine months they'll say something along these lines and maybe this is your testimony but they'll say something along these lines I've learned more in nine months in a Bible teaching church than I have my entire life in a religious based church you know the church I came from and it's not to make a church more valuable than others that's not the point the point is is that the Bible is powerful and once you start learning it and mixing it with faith watch out but if you just come in week after week after week and you just open up your devos because you know you open your Bible in the mornings so I got to do this because you know I got to do this and you don't mix what you hear with faith you're gonna be just like the children of Israel back in Exodus in the book of Numbers where they just wander around never experience what God has for them never experience the fullness of joy never experience the fullness of rest and you're just built, beat up by turmoil. I mean, life is hard enough, isn't it? Life is hard enough for us to make it worse by having all the truths of the, of, of the Scripture and all the love of God and not mixing it with faith. We're just making it worse for ourselves. That's what the author of Hebrews is trying to say to the believers. Don't go backwards. It's going to be worse. You have everything that you have, right? You, all that you need is found in relationship with Jesus. Don't go backwards. Don't live a profitless life where you're not mixing things with faith. And it really is just a matter of what you believe. And you're going to find, as you've already seen, that throughout the book of Hebrews, the Old Testament is referenced constantly. Right here, uh, I just want you to see, again, back in chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, if you have a New King James Bible in your hand, you're going to notice that the letters are italicized. Do you guys see that? Chapter 3, about verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. Do you see that? That's the translator's effort to show you that this is a quotation from the Old Testament. And you might even have a little subnote there that what's quoted in chapter 3 is Psalm 95. And so you can go back to Psalm 95, and that's what a cross-reference cross is. You can go back to Psalm 95 and see that David wrote this. And the Old Testament's important. And it, it, it really discourages me, truly. I, I really get discouraged when I hear many churches say today that the Old Testament isn't for today. We don't need to study the Old Testament. We're New Testament Christians, you'll hear people say. And it is true, we're, we are new covenant believers. We're, we, are, we, we are no longer relating to God by our works. No, never have we should. Never should we have ever done that. Uh, we're new covenant. The blood of Jesus Christ forgives us of all of our sins, removes all guilt and shame and condemnation. Yes, yes, yes. But that doesn't mean we ignore the Old Testament. You'll never understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. You, you'll never understand, like, like, for example, for those that might be listening right now, you're listening on the radio or listen, watching online, you're like, well, that's our church. We don't, we, I heard my pastor say, we don't need the Old Testament. Okay, so let me ask you this. When Jesus was discipling the 12, and when he was teaching the Pharisees and rebuking them, and all the crowds gathered to him, what was he using? The Old Testament. There was no New Testament at that time. It wasn't written yet. It was being lived, but it wasn't being written. Jesus used the Old Testament. When Paul the Apostle was teaching the gospel, when Peter was teaching on the day of Pentecost, and he stood up and began, what did he share from the Old Testament? He went back to Joel. He said, look, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's what Joel predicted. And it's a very, very important church that you don't just turn your back on the Old Testament. Because I know it can be difficult at times to read the Bible. I realize that. I know you're coming through some of the section. You go, man, I don't understand that. But, but I want to encourage you. Don't throw away your Bible reading because you come, against, come up against a few things you don't understand. There are things. I mean, I think about it in my own life. I've been studying the Bible for almost 30 years now. And 
I still come across things and like, wow, that's an interesting thing. I, I've, never, I've never seen that before. I wonder what that means. And, you know, just, just not even a few weeks ago, Marie and I were at a conference, and one of the teachers said something, and it prompted a question in Marie's mind that she asked me on our way back to the hotel, and then it became a big conversation. Like, I don't know if you guys have, when I mean big conversation, it was, it was very animated, you know, because Marie can get upset sometimes. Not me, but Marie can get upset sometimes. So it was a very animated conversation about the Bible. And so what about this? And what about this? And we're trying to make, we've always been that way. I love that girl so much, man. And, and the, question, the question was so good, I had never thought of it that way. So check this out. David Guzik, he's a Bible scholar. Into the, so we got to take him to dinner before the airport yesterday. Marie and I, David and his wife. And so wouldn't you know it, Marie wanted somebody to be on her side. And so I didn't know she was doing this. I didn't know she was, so she raises the question at the table. And I'm telling you right now, inside I'm smiling because I'm like, he's totally going to agree. In my mind, he's totally going to agree with me. He's totally going to see it my way. As he begins to answer, everything goes into slow motion (laughs) because he's beginning to agree with her. And he gives the answer, but in his answer, he actually says something that reaffirms me. So I jump in and I go, wait a minute, wait. And it became so, at any rate, I was right. (laughs) Biblically, I was right. Even convincing David Guzik. But here's the point. You're always going to come up against things you don't understand. That's just part of it. You don't throw away the Old Testament because there's some difficulties. Because once you grasp the understanding of the Bible in its entirety, it's an amazing revelation of God's love for you. Amazing. Beyond what you could even understand. I know how hard it can be, you know, especially when you begin in the beginning of the year and you want to read through the Bible, right? So you got a plan and you read through Genesis. You go, this is awesome. I love it. I understand. And you get through Exodus and you go, oh, yes, this is great. I'm so glad I started. Honey, I read the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. Leviticus, I'm done. And so my encouragement to you is it's okay to skip over hard parts. It's okay to just read through it and even if you don't understand it. Because some of you get frustrated because you're just that kind of person that isn't satisfied unless you understand everything. So if you don't understand it, don't be so frustrated. Just write. Maybe get a journal, a little notebook, and just write down, I don't understand this. Don't understand this. There's some great Bible difficulty books out there uh, where they answer questions. There's some great websites that can answer. So, so don't, don't dismiss the Old Testament. Don't. Don't, don't. Even if big name pastors that have churches of hundreds of thousands of people begin to say, oh, you don't need the Old Testament, they're wrong. It's the whole Bible for the whole believer. All of it is inspired by God, not just a little bit. As we study through the Old Testament, we begin to understand the unveiling of the will of God progressively. We grasp the overall theme of God's word. Those of you that were with us when we studied through the book of Revelation, you know you can't understand Revelation without understanding the symbolism from the Old Testament. As John was on the island of Patmos, he was steeped in the Old Testament. They were all, all of the believers were steeped, and we must be too. And you know by now as a pastor, you know, as we walk through this journey together, my heart and my desire, why we moved to Colorado, why we're involved in this church And why we love this city and we invest so much in this city is that I desire for you to be well-fed biblically, like like the Word of God would just feed you well, that you would be so nourished, so loved, so cared for, that your love of Jesus and your knowledge of His will would move you and mobilize you to reach this city the same way you've been reached. Like, that's our commitment. That, that is what we, our team here, our staff, the volunteer leaders, the lay leaders, the servants, that's, that's what we desire. 
We desire for you to grow in God's grace. We desire for you to grow in his love. We desire, and so the mechanism and the tool that God has given us to do that is the Bible, all of it, from Genesis to Revelation. And it's my prayer that your appetite for God's word would only increase, not decrease, and that you would continue to be hungry for what God has to say. The more of the word of God that you get in you, the stronger you'll become, the better prepared you'll be the more ready for what's up ahead. As I read and study the Old Testament, as we see here this reference going backwards, and we'll see a few more references in this section, the more I read the Old Testament, I'm reminded not to follow the, example, the bad examples that are there. When they did not believe, that's not a good example for me. I must choose to believe, even with little facts or, you know, if I don't have the big picture, because I, I'm one of those guys that I refer to, that I like to understand things. I like to grasp Thing. I like to figure things out, if you will. But so much in life can't be figured out. The Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. And that's a frustrating thing to someone that wants to understand everything, that wants answers for everything, that believes that with every question there should be an answer, like a real good, solid answer, like really specific and precise. And at times God gives us that. But in the times that he doesn't, our life is not built on facts. Our life is built on faith. And our faith is built on facts. And we are able to know that God, God has given us all that we need to know in order to relate to him and to trust him. So when you hear, coming back to Hebrews now, when you hear the word of God, Old Testament or New Testament, you've got to understand the only way it's going to profit you is by mixing it with faith. To believe what God has said and to do it because unbelief will keep you from all that God has for you and desires for your life. Boy, time sure flew by today. We'll save the rest of this message from Pastor Ed Taylor for tomorrow. Today on Abounding Grace, we aired the first half of a message titled, Enter the Rest of God. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, our pick of the month is winning the war in your mind. Why did you select this one for our listeners? Well, you know, Larry, this is one of those books that I chose before it was even published. And I chose it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I trust the author. I, I've enjoyed the books that I've read by Craig Groeschel. And the title and the description in Amazon really uh, caught my attention. It says, we've all tried to think our way out of bad habits and unhealthy thought patterns, only to find ourselves stuck with an out-of-control mind and an off-track daily life. And pastor, New York Times bestselling author Craig Groeschel understands deeply this daily battle against self-doubts and negative thinking. And in this powerful new book, he reveals the strategies he's discovered to change your mind and your life for the long term. The battle is in the mind. It's who you and what you believe, because what you believe is going to dictate how you behave. And so we really want to get this book into your hands. Uh, you can support the ministry. You can get it on your own. But all your support to the ministry, it's amazing. We are so blessed to be able to uh, be on the air. And I'm telling you, literally day after day after day, we get feedback uh, from being on the radio like this one. Let me read it to you. It says, hey, Pastor Ed, my name is, and I won't share it, and I wanted you to know how much you've helped me through the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in a state hospital when I found your radio show on a local station, and I listen also to your live call-in show and your sermons. I almost called in a year ago to ask for prayer. 
Um, but for some of the brothers I was around, and now God has answered that prayer because I'm actually messaging you from my own phone in my new apartment. God is so good. I just wanted to take the time out to let you know how God is working through my life and how much you and your call-in show with the other pastors has helped me as I was locked up in a state hospital. And that came through the regular teaching of God's Word through the Abounding Grace Radio ministry. And I want to say thank you, guys. It, it doesn't. We're, the books are not like they—they they are to make help you build a spiritual library. Um, and anything over and above goes to support the ministry. So I just want to thank you personally. Um, however, you're praying for us. The pick of the month, if you're a regular supporter, uh, I just am so grateful to think this guy is, is laid out in a state mental hospital and the Lord reached him through Christian radio. Isn't that amazing? Let's never underestimate how God wants to use our lives. Thanks. Again, ask for a copy of Winning the War in Your Mind when you call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. It's yours for a gift of $25 or more. And then join us tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Hebrews. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.